Hey there, I'm so pumped to tell you about an amazing new community I've launched called Grief to Growth Circle Community. It's a space for people who are grieving to come together to support each other and for people who want to know who we are, why we're here, where we're going to have those conversations, all the things we talk about on the podcast. So I invite you to join me at grieftogrowth.com slash community to become part of this compassionate crew. The best part is 100% free. And you have access to me in addition to everybody else in the community. In fact, the podcast will be there so you can talk about the things we talk about in the podcast right there in the community. There's also some premium content if you want to go deeper in the work I'm doing, but mostly it's about building relationships and community and about sharing resources and supporting each other. So come on over and check it out. It's grieftogrowth.com slash community. I'll see you inside. Hi there. Welcome to Grief to Growth Podcast. Your host is Brian Smith, spiritual seeker, best-selling author, grief survivor, and life coach. Brian believes that the worst tragedies of life provide the greatest opportunity for growth. Brian says he was planted, not buried, and he is here to help you grow where you've been planted by the difficulties in life. In each episode, Brian and his guests will share what has helped them to survive and thrive. It is his sincere hope this episode helps you today. Hey, everybody. This is Brian back with another episode of Grief to Growth. And I've got with me today Marla Hughes. And uh, Marla has written a book uh, about uh, for children. And we're going to talk about that today. But what I want to do first is introduce her. Uh, Marla has worked with children her entire life in a number of different capacities. Uh, she worked at the transplant unit of UCSF Hospital in San Francisco, where she taught children about exercise, nutrition, and relaxation. She worked with Dr. Gerald Jampolsky at the Center for Attitudinal Healing, using art and music therapy to help young children who had life-threatening diseases, who had a parent or loved one who was severely ill. Her podcast, Interviews with Innocence, features experts in the fields of science and metaphysics who focus on children and spirituality. Marla is the founder of the Ethiopian Family Fund, and that's ethiopianfamilyfund.org, which is a nonprofit dedicated to developing sustainable education and healthcare for Ethiopian children and their families. And according to Marla, her greatest children teachers have been her children. She said she's never experienced a love that deep or prof- that profound. And she recently finished her first children's book, which I mentioned earlier, Love Magic. And that's what we're going to be talking about today, among other things. So with that, I'd like to welcome Marla Hughes. Well, Brian, thank you so much for having me. It's good to good to see you again. And I know we've kind of been down the same path. Um, so it's always an honor to kind of share, you know, share stories and experiences. And so thanks. Thanks for having me. Well, it's good to have you here. So for our listeners that aren't familiar with the story, why is it that you're so interested in, in working with children specifically? Well, I... I've always um, been very childlike myself and it just kind of is just the way I am and children and, and dogs. That's my, (laughs) that's my passion. So anyway, as you mentioned in, in my bio, you know, I worked with kids quite a bit in my career and I just so love their innocence, their wonder at things, their, finding awe every day, just living in the present. And a big part of my, um, the reason for also 
starting this podcast and writing this book, it's not just for children. Well, it is, but it's for all of us. It's also for our inner child to try to live, you know, more present and just remember. So anyway, I'll just start, start at the very beginning. So I have three children and um, a husband and two, two Labradoodles. And um, we just had this beautiful and we still do beautiful family the kids were um I have my twins and then Dean was one year older so it was kind of like we had a little preschool at the preschool at the house mm-hmm. and um we just traveled a lot and we just had such amazing experiences I mean sometimes I just think to myself how you know I'm just so blessed I I just can't believe how just beautiful all of this is and I know you felt you feel the same way about your family and um a little over four years ago tragically my um, 19 year old son Dean um transitioned and it just broke broke our worlds open because we we were just so close and even if you aren't close it breaks your you know breaks your world open mm-hmm. and because you're all, all always soulfully um close but as you I just really didn't know what to do so I went really down the path of trying to find out what you know where did he go what happens after you know someone transitions and I had never I always kind of thought I was spiritual you know I was a yogi and but now I know that I really wasn't in the sense of really exploring all the different avenues of spirituality. And a couple of things happened as I was um, beginning my journey. And one of those was that my girlfriend, who's very clairvoyant, wrote me um, one night. She called me later to tell me about this. But one night, um, Dean came to her and she had went into her playroom and written down, channeled what he had said. And even in that letter, he talked about, you know, his his life when this learning, his learning on this earthly realm was complete and that it was time for him to move on. And and I have a lot of letters transcribed from from her and from other some other mediums, but he also well, I'll just read just a real little, really a little bit of what he said, if you don't mind. Sure. You and dad were a cherished and divine gift to me. My soul, however, has a bigger job to do. I was on earth at that time to experience the discourting of the love that I lived and the unlove that I saw in the world. And I am here now to bridge these worlds. To bring forth the words, the songs, the quotes, the mantras, the little reminders that lead us back to the childlike state of truth and love. Simply put, I am here in your world and mine to put back into people's minds and hearts so as to allow authentic, loving experiences through playful, joyful ways to drop back into authentic, pure, honest, simply put love. So as we move forward, Mama, please let me tell you, hear me. I am grateful for you and your loving mothering. And I am here where I'm supposed to be to do my life's plan and purpose. And that is to be a reminder of the pure and simple love. Without it, meaning has life has no meaning. Mm. So let's begin our new adventure. Hear my word, hear my songs, hear my voice. Bring it through to all those who need it. 
be a mother to the world. Only your heart can possibly hold this message and share this love. Do it for me, mom, please. I love you in only the way you and I would understand. I know you know what that means. I have your heart as you always have mine. I love you. You're Tino. So it brings tears to my eyes. And um, so this was just a couple of weeks after everything happened. And I was um, talking to my girlfriend and I I was telling her about how I'd had a dream about Dean. Mm -hmm. And she said, well, I have something to share with you. But I wanted to make sure it was the right time. And so I'll never forget. I was walking the dogs. I just sat down on the curb and said, please read it to me. And just broke into tears, but it was, it was confusing because for my list, for your listeners who I know a lot have, have, you know, have loved ones transition because all this stuff is so new to you and you want it to be true so badly, but you just don't know what to do with it. So you just hold on, you just hold on tight. And Dean was this just fun, loving, it's, I used to say to people, it's just so weird. He's just so happy all the time. Mm. And even with his, anyway, he was just, you know, one, one of those kids. And so moving forward, I decided to explore a little bit and just a few of my experiences, my first experience with, they don't call themselves mediums, but I have a good girlfriend here in Colorado and she said, I have friends or a couple that um, help people talk to those who have transitioned. And I, I'm wondering, I was wondering if you might be interested. Mm-hmm. She said, I'm not sure if Dean will come through. She kn- knew Dean very well because we traveled. As you mentioned, I work in Ethiopia and she had been there with us and we've done a lot of traveling together. Mm-hmm. And um, so in, I'm, I was like, yes, absolutely. So it ends up this guy, and I can't, I'm not allowed to use his name, but he is this very um, well-known um, scientist who's, who worked with Francis Crick and Edward Ed Lewis, who are both founder, co-founders of DNA. And, and he and his wife had had, I think it was a granddaughter who had transitioned, and they went to someone who helped them, who did a mediumship reading for them. And they were just so taken aback by like, how does this work? How did they do this? And so they decided to start trying. And even though I know some people don't like the idea of using a board, they don't call it a Ouija board, but that's their vessel to get the message through. Mm-hmm. And I was just so impressed because being, you know, from sort of, sort of a science scientific background you know in western civilization that's what you want you want the proof right right and um knowing that he was this renowned scientist and was you know dipping his um not only dipping his toes they help people just family and friends or or, um friends and family yeah family and friends Mm -hmm. and do it out of the kindness of their hearts and they just brought through these amazing messages and that's when I said, I've got to like really start exploring this. So as I did, um, I really dove into near-death experiences. I went to um, went to the UK for mediumship workshops and physical seances and 
uh, just just all I you know um, plant medicine, just all kinds of different things. And I must say that in all my journeys over the fourth year four years, I now know that for my heart for my heart. I, there is a knowing that, you know, that this life is eternal. And I, I do consider that such a gift to know that. Um, so I kept getting all these signs for Dean and I'll just, I'll tell you a couple of those because it's so important just to be aware and just to, you know, and this is part of getting, being quiet and present and, he had, um, we had gone to Ethiopia and he was, it's kind of a long story. I'm not going to get into it, but he, our children did this. They they weren't really theater kids, but this was like a bicultural program that kind of traveled. It was based out of Colorado. And so anyway, we'd go to different countries and work with the school there and they would put on a show. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was usually folklore about the country. And this was fire on the mountain. And Dean was only 11 years old. And they dressed him up like um, he was Bob Marley. And um, he sang Three Little Birds, which is, you know, everything's going to be all right. And so a few years, not a few years, I'm sorry, about probably three or four weeks after, after Dean transitioned, my girlfriend called me and she didn't know we had gone to Ethiopia because we had kind of gone our separate ways as we were raising kids. And Mm-hmm. And she said it was so weird. Dean came to me last night. Oh, and Dean loved the monkeys in Ethiopia. He was always feeding them, and there were monkeys everywhere. It was a little village called Wando Gannett. And she said he was like swinging from tree to tree, like it was almost like a monkey. Mm-hmm. And he was saying something like, It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. And so that was such a, that, you know, that was such a huge sign knowing that she didn't know anything about, about us going to Ethiopia. Mm-hmm. Another beautiful sign I received was from um, a medium when she told me that there was something about Jean and I said, mm, G-E-A-N, I really don't know you know, anything about that, or I know someone named that. And she said, no, 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 it's not. It's like genes, G-E-N-E and chromosomes. And, and that he's thanking you for get, for bringing him into this life and so that he could fulfill his purpose. And no one knew this, not even my in-laws or my parents that we had an irregular amnio with, um, with Dean and we had to make the decision on whether we met with a geneticist and it wasn't a hard decision for us, but we, you know, had to meet with a geneticist and make a decision whether we were going to bring him into this world or not. Mm -hmm. So just millions of them, you've gotten millions of them too. And I know a lot of your, a lot of your guests have talked about signs and, and, in an interview that we did before, I think I told even more of those if somebody wants to listen to that. But the whole, the, just the children part of it came, just came back, kept coming back to me in little simple ways. And one day I said to my daughter, I asked her if you, do you think, they, they grew up, I'm Christian, well, I'm spiritual, but um my husband's Jewish, so they had a bar and bat mitzvah, but there was never any, you know, 
they didn't know anything about. They never talked about the afterlife or death or anything like that, which I think many legends don't. And I said, do you think just it would have been a little bit easier? Of course, you still have to grieve. But if you would have just been raised, you know, knowing that life is eternal and having, you know, a caregiver encourage you to talk about your memories as a young child or because we hear so many young children talking about past lives and about choosing parents and you look at Ian Stevenson's University of Virginia, they're, they're just doing all sorts of things, um, examining these stories from children. And she said, you know, I really think it would have. And I'll never forget that. And that just kind of, you know, finally lit me totally on the fire. So I decided I was going to write a book and I was going to gather stories like Wayne Dyer. I was going to continue his work because he wrote a beautiful book called Memories of Heaven. And I suggest that that people run out and get that. And it's a compilation of, of stories from parents all over the world telling about what their two, three, four-year-olds have said. And it's all across the board from, like I said, choosing parents to reincarnation to meeting loved ones in heaven before they come here that they would have never known and and this and that. But I didn't have anybody to my world and still a big, I don't know about you, Brian, but still my world doesn't encompass people that talk about this kind of stuff you know I mean thank goodness we have each other in our podcast and all the beautiful people we meet but I so I really didn't have a circle to even start gathering stories and so I thought well I'll start a podcast I called Sandra Champlain and she was kind enough to email me back I emailed her and Mm -hmm. I just started and I decided I really wanted to focus on celebrating the wisdom that children bring into our lives and also our, you know, our inner childlike self. And to open up the door for caretakers and parents to really recognize that we, and we do know this, but we're the leaders in this. Actually, my book, which I'll hold up right here, it is called Love Magic. And this is on my my daughter on the front, Carly. She has crazy wild hair, or she did when she was little. Mm-hmm. And Cosmo, that's our puppy. He's laying on the bed right behind me. And, and it also is about Pop Pop, my father-in-law, that we were all very close to that, mm-hmm. that passed. And it's all about signs and synchronicities and rituals and being present. And um, so anyway, to get back to my briefly before I wrote the book, back to my podcast, I just decided that I would begin it. And I was very fortunate to meet Raymond Moody in the very beginning of my podcast, and we became very good friends. And so I've been so honored to interview, you know, a lot of people. And it's interesting because everyone I talk to, there's always something about the importance of children understanding that life is eternal and that there's something bigger, something bigger in this world. And I truly believe, I I have a little list of what ifs, and I truly believe that if parents understood and knew with all their hearts 
that our souls are eternal, that we live before this earthly existence and we will continue to live forever after, after we leave this earthly world. And we are on this earth to learn lessons and be the best we can be. I think of a child losing a pet. What if child, sad as they may be, trusted that their pet was going to another world, another dimension, just another beautiful place where there would only be love, peace, and acceptance. Mm -hmm. And they would absolutely be reunited with their pet when the time came. And if heaven was redefined for children, knowing that it was very much like the earthly realm, but, you know, once again, with love and, and that the world would change forever, not just because they would know that their loved ones are not gone. I mean, that it could just be because of that, because that's plenty. Mm -hmm. But also, our children are going through so much. And, And everyone, you know, most people do. There's a lot of, you know, I don't want to talk about trauma, but what goes on in childhood. And I really believe that teaching our children this through ritual ceremonies, once again, learning about signs and synchronicities, that they develop an inner strength that helps them navigate this world. And and they know how to be quiet. They know how to be present. If we, I interviewed one gentleman who had worked a lot in Bali and he talked about a, um, I think they call it a maluka, even though that's what you usually um, call the tent-like structure in a plant medicine um, retreat. But Mm -hmm. this is for the children, and it was just a place for them, and they knew it was the place where you just go in and you're just quiet. And they're basically, you know, meditating, but they're Mm -hmm. just being present. And it was one of the most favorite places for the children to go. So that... They would learn just like we have everything we've learned since our children have transitioned. What a beautiful thing if they learn all of that, not because necessarily they've had a loved one transition, but because it is interweaved into the fabric of their lives. Yeah. And I just believe this so strongly. And I, um, as you you know, Peter Panagor, I always go back to he said he said on his interview and, and many others that the only question he was asked when he had his profound NDE, the only question he was asked when he was on the other side was how did you love? Mm-hmm. How did you treat others? So that golden rule of of how do you treat others? And also within this interweaving of this fabric, which many talk about, as Bruce Grayson talks about, that the golden rule, it is not just something nice we made up. (laughs) It really is interweaved into the fabric of the universe. Actually, I think that was, I don't mean to be throwing around names here, but I've just researched a lot. That was Dr. Evan Alexander. And I know you've had all these guys in your podcast, so (laughs) people know who I'm talking about. and I just envision just throughout the day, a child getting up and reminding them or just quietly being present and asking, who did you help today? Who did you love today? How do you think things? But also within that, 
that we all struggle and we all have sad times and we all have grief and we all get angry. But how I was just talking to a friend about this today, how different my life would have been if that would have been woven into my childhood and all of our childhoods. And within that, we as parents, caregivers, people who who really want to take this on, it brings us back to our inner child. It helps us become more present, more reminds us to who did we love today? Who did we take care of today? How were we present today? And once again, I don't want it to sound Pollyanna because it's not, because this is life. But I just know it would just change the world. And so with that, I decided I was going to going to write my book. And in the book, it's a little girl named Charlie, and she really misses her pop-pop who has gone to heaven. I use that word. You can use whatever word you like, but I use that word simply because that's what I grew up with. And I actually really like the word. And her grandma helps her to remember when they were dancing in the rain and the smell of waffles and with whipped cream piled on top with strawberries as they sit and close their eyes and, and remembering, you know, fresh baked this and that and all the different things that, that Charlie and Pop Bob love to do together. And the mantra of the book is that Pop Bob always told Charlie that when I take my big trip, all you need to do is think of me and I will be there. The most important things in life are not seen with your eyes, but are felt with your heart. Mm. And that's what the book is all about. So not to spoil it, but anyway, um, but then grandma tells Charlie something really exciting. And that's how those on the other side send us signs and pop up. I know hummingbirds is, it's a sign for, it seems a lot of people, but Pop Pop did love hummingbirds. And so she's on her walk one day with Cosmo and she runs into this, you know, Cosmo run, gets, starts running after a rabbit and she loses control. And all of a sudden she falls on her knees and a big happy tear drops down. And there's a, there's a um, hummingbird there, and she tells Cosmo all about what the hummingbird means. And earlier in the book, Grandma asked her if she believed, and Charlie says, I think so, but Grandma, how does it work? And so as the story goes, and she sees the hummingbird, you know, at the end, she she knows it's Pop-Pop, and she knows it's a beautiful sign that he'll always be with her and can hear his whistling as she, you know, as she runs home with Cosmo. So that's that's what the book's about. And I really want to get it out to, you know, family and friends, of course, but like helping parents heal and other, and but not once again, not just that, it's for everybody because we all get signs and synchronicities from from the universe all the time you know that very very well mm-hmm. and so just to open up you know the, the people's hearts and take a little time each day to really think about your inner child and what you can do to help 
a child in your life remember and and you know do those sorts of things yeah yeah that that sounds like a a wonderful wonderful much needed book um you know there's several things you touched on there that i'd like to explore a little bit more um you know, you, you talked about, you know, you were raised Christian, I was raised Christian. Um, but in, in the church, we kind of talk about the afterlife, we talk about heaven, but it's usually mm-hmm. very general terms. We don't talk about, as you said, how does it work and stuff right. like that. We don't really, we don't, and it's, so I, I, my experience has been a lot of people, they say they believe in that, but they don't really, right? Right. And then when the rubber hits the road, when we lose a loved one, then we run around asking what happened, where did they go, and, and then we really want to know. Um, so, I, but I, as I think about your book, and I, I'm thinking I have a, a niece that was just born a few weeks ago, and I'm thinking mm-hmm. this would be a great book to give to her mother. But I could see people hesitating, saying, "Well, I don't want to teach my child to think about death because in our society it's a bad thing. We don't want to think about it, you know." Right. So that's. Um, I love your idea of like, let's make this a part of life. Let's let's understand that whole thing. Yeah, yeah. I actually had another interview. Just re- no, I haven't interviewed her yet. We just had a pre conversation. Julie Ryan. I don't know if she's been on the show yet, but um, she was talking about how with a child, just asking them, "What do you think that flower? What songs do the do the flowers sing?" Mm-hmm. Or you know, just questions like that just for them to start using their imagination and to know once again, that there's just something bigger and something that we can go to when we're feeling sad. And, but, but, you know, you need to have the, the caregiver and the adult be, be present too, to be with them, to teach them because that's, you know, that's where they learn from. Yeah. And it's interesting because a few weeks ago we had, you and I had an email exchange and you talked about the, the, the story from the Babylonian Talmud. Yes, I, I have heard, it right here. I had heard from some of my Jewish friends. And so the story for people that don't know, there's the angel Layla who lays her finger across the lips of a child that's coming into the world. And they, they forget who they are, where they came from. And as I think about that, I'm like, is that really the way it is? Because I believe that babies, they still remember where they come from. Yes. You look at babies, they're looking around the room. or are like, what are they looking at? Uh, and children will tell us things, you know, they, they view the world as a magical place. They come in and they're like, this place is magical. Anything can happen. And then we adults tell them, well, no, that's just your imagination. That's not the way it works. So how do you think that works? Do they, do they come in and they've forgotten? Or, or what do you think happened? We'll get back to grief to growth in just a few seconds. Did you know that Brian is an author and a life coach? If you're grieving or know someone who is grieving, his book, Grief to Growth, is a best-selling, easy-to-read book. That might help you or someone you know. People work with Brian as a life coach to break through barriers and live their best lives. You can find out more about Brian and what he offers at www.grieftogrowth.com, www.grief2growth.com. If you'd like to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash grieftogrowth www.patreon.com slash G-R-I-E-F, the number two, G-R-O-W-T-H, to make a financial contribution. And now, back to Grief to Growth. Stay with us. We'll be right back. 
Hey there, I'm testing out a new feature. I'd love to get your feedback on it. It's called Fan Mail, and you can send me a message right from the show notes of the podcast. So look for the link that says send me a text. You can ask a question for a future podcast. You can suggest a guest or just give me any feedback you want. Just remember, it is one way I can't text you back, and I will not have your name, your email address, or your phone number unless you include it in the message. Let me know what you think. Oh, no. Do you mind if I read that story? Just because it's it's kind of oh, the ba- yeah, Babylon. Yeah, yeah, just, just to, as, as more in a childlike sort of. Okay. Sure. So, and then I'll answer your question. Beautiful teaching that in the Babylonian Talmud. According to this medieval Jewish text, the angel Lila lives in the womb and watches over the embryo until it is time to be born. The angel teaches the unborn child everything there is to know about the mysteries of life and their soul. Layla also places a lighted candle at the head of the unborn infant so they can see from one end of the universe to the other. Then when the time comes for the child to be born, the angel Layla puts her finger in front of her mouth as if to say, shh, and then presses the child's upper lip so all memories are forgotten. According to the story, the light touch on the child's lip leaves a slight indentation above the lip called a philtrum which we all have. I think perhaps the angel Lila did not press quite hard enough on some children's lips. And this is why some come into this current life with soul memories. How blessed we are to have these children share their wisdom with us. So I just love, I just love the story, the way it was written there. No, I totally agree with you. I believe that children come in and they remember everything. They have most of themselves there and a teeny bit here trying to learn. And, you know, the research shows until four or five years old that these children, they see spirit, they talk to angels, they have, um, many have um, playmates, invisible playmates. And that's another part of all of this that I didn't really address in my book, but I'm writing another book. And what read read Wayne Dyer's book, Memories of Heaven, like, wow. Mm -hmm. And that they do. But we, once again, as caretakers, we need to validate and we need to be curious and we need to ask questions. His whole book started with his assistant who had a two-year-old. And she was just, you know, gazing at him, you know, just how miraculous and adorable this little guy was. And she was just asking herself, herself, like, where did he come from? Where did, and he looked at, she looked at this little boy and said, you know, Sammy, where did you come from? And he looked up at two years old, opened his arms and he said, light. Mm. And then she asked him what God, something about, oh, I'm so sorry. I don't know exactly. But then he said something else profound. And she ran in and told Wayne Dyer. He was like, we're going to ask the world what these little kids are saying. So I, I definitely believe that. And to help them not only remember longer, but celebrate what they do remember. So we can then, as they get older, bring that into their learning as they become more earthly, if you will. So they still have one foot in and one foot out, you know, without being, 
you know, with being able to live fine here, but you know what I'm saying? So I totally agree with you. They're so close to the source. And that's why my podcast is, I say to celebrate the wisdom of the very young because they have so, I mean, they're much more wiser than we are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they have so much to teach us, but we just need to be quiet and listen. Yeah, I, I completely uh, agree. And I think about my girls, I remember, I think they were about four and seven because they were about three years apart. We were sitting at the kitchen table one day, maybe a little younger, and they were talking about being in heaven and choosing us as, as parents. I remember hearing and, you say that. And I never heard, I know they did not get that from us. They, We had never, my wife and I, the, the thought had never even crossed our minds. And I remember talking to my sister-in-law after Shana passed, and I know that that Mormons believe in pre-existence right. as, as a person raised in the church I was raised in. I never heard anything about, you know, pre-existence, um, <laughs> which is I. something that we're starting to understand, understand now. And I think you and I are similar paths. It's like science and near death experiences and mediums and all this stuff is kind of telling us that we don't just start existing when we're born that we actually pre-exist and our girls are like, Oh yeah. Yeah. We remember being in heaven and, and choosing you guys. And my daughter, Shana, always said, I, I'm not afraid of death. I, and she, she was just never afraid. And I'm glad we didn't really drum that out of them. Cause I think a lot of parents will ignore that. Or, and we just kind of like, we were curious. It's like, so what do you mean? They're like, Oh yeah, we, we chose you. That's so beautiful. I was in a, I was having a conversation the day with a very good friend who's, um, really going down the, the spiritual spiritual path, kind of reawakening. But she was telling me, without telling you what religion it is, but she remembers when she was in second grade and she had to go into this place and talk about all the stuff she had done wrong. Mm-hmm. And it broke my heart because, I mean, I wasn't my, you know, thinking about how I was raised, it was very open and God was very cool and loving and all of that. Sounds like you were the same, but that she just grew up feeling like she was bad and she had, she had done bad things. And even if she didn't have something to tell whomever she was supposed to tell, she made things up because that's the way that life was. That's the way the world was. Mm-hmm. I I thought about that for two or three days. I just couldn't. It second grade, mm-hmm. it broke my heart. Yeah, and that's you know, and so it's got to change. I mean, we're transforming once again. I always go back to, you know, I had to wait till you know, however old, to to know all of this and learn all of this and and use it for my strength and for my soul. Mm-hmm. And gosh, if, it, if children know that from the very beginning or are validated and everything we've talked about, and I do think kids, the millennial, you know, you talked to PMH, I, I do think children are coming into this world much more in touch and curious. Mm-hmm. I know my twins, especially my, my Carly, she's, it's, it's I think they're really coming in um, wanting to do it better. Yeah. You know, it's, there's, it, there's interesting because a lot of people say that they're, and I think it is kind of is because we need that. The world is so, it's the world is so messed up that the I people know. that are kind of volunteering to come in now are really soldiers, really, you know, volunteering to try to help turn things around. Um, you know, indigo children, uh, I've heard different terms for them mm-hmm. that these children are coming in, you know, kind of remembering and kind of pushing to change things. But as you mentioned earlier, our Western society, 
we're all about scientific, uh, and I use air quotes for that because science can only measure certain things and science is close to so many things, but we want to know about scientific proof. And we think that people that are, that, that are religious or are spiritual, they're silly or they're delusional. And you mentioned earlier, you know, this, this idea, well, maybe this is too good to be true because we're little kids, right? We think everything's possible and we, and we have all these great fairy tales that, you know, and everything always works out all right in the end. And then we're told, no, that's not the way it is. It's don't, don't even think about it. And then we come around to where you and I are now, we realize it is magical and everything is possible and everything is going to be okay in the end. And then we start to question it. A little voice comes in our mind and says, Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hi there. I'm really excited to tell you about my latest ebook. It's four lessons that you can learn from the near-death experience without going through all the trouble of dying to learn them. I've been studying NDEs for several years now. I am completely convinced that not only are they 100% real, but that there's some very universal wisdom that we can get from the near-death experience. And I've distilled that down in this book into four short lessons. And I've also given you all the reasons why I believe the NDEs are absolutely real. So go to www.grieftogrowth.com slash NDE lessons to pick it up for free www.grief2growth.com slash NDE lessons. I hope you enjoy it. Could it, but is that really true? Right, right. Yeah, so, so true. Yeah, I've also, another um, path I've taken, which they all intermingle so closely, but is, is shamanism. Mm-hmm. And um, I want to, in the future, I want to, offer this to caretakers and parents with with actual activities that they can do um, with their young children. And if you don't mind me just sharing just a little bit about what I'm thinking about, you guys let me know what you think. But um, in shamanism, which is the study of indigenous, a shaman is, you know, a medicine man from what, what we would learn, but the wise man, the and the person who's really in touch with the spiritual world as well as the, you know, as the earthly world. And there's something in the medicine wheel, which is kind of the wheel of life. And we can all totally relate to it um, as you get into it. But there's one part of it that's called, that's called the little red road and, uh, or the good red road. And it runs from north to south. So it's kind of be like being physical in this world. So anyway, but it starts with the voice and the heart. And I think of a child and raising them with this kind of always on your mind. So the voice, it's interesting. My teacher puts the voice first. I put the heart first. People kind of decide which one they want to put first, but I put the heart first. Mm -hmm. So to me, that means celebrate your feelings, Mm -hmm. celebrate your child's feelings, the nudges, the imagination that we really need to listen to that and not just kind of blow it off, you know, because, because that's where feelings is really where the voice should come from, from the heart. Because when you are working with the voice, you are speaking your truth. So what is your truth? And then it goes up into creating a sacred space. And what I love about the sacred space and that we should all once again think about and talk to our little ones about because they know how to do it is what is sacred? What is what's sacred to you? 
And if something is truly sacred, then that's where you should be spending a large amount of your time Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and what you honor. So let us all look at that. Let's all look in our hearts about that. We say something sacred, you know, but do we really put our energy there? And we need to think about spending more of our time in those sacred and nothing's more sacred than our kids, right? I mean, I I don't think anyone would disagree with that or children, especially if you have children. How much time do we spend with them? How much time do we do these ritual ceremonies? So another thing to think about, feeling from your heart, trusting those feelings, then being able to, to voice that from the heart. So this sounds a little bit funny, but um, like everything that comes from your voice, let it like be an orchestra or a nice piece of music. I mean, obviously that's not going to always happen, but it coming from the heart, then creating that really looking at what is sacred and, and what do you honor in your life? Once again, where are you putting your, you're putting your time, putting your energy, because with that comes your truth. So what is our truth? And when we really look at these are things that we all really need to think about because we really sit down because we're so caught up in the day to day and so much going on. But what is our truth? Because being our truth is about being authentic. And in shamanism, they talk a lot about wearing all these different masks. So, you know, you wear the mask when you're the wife, you you wear a mask when you're at work, you wear the, you know, you get the whole, and taking at least some of those masks off and being your authentic self. And once again, the children watching every step of the way of how we're doing that and talking about that. And usually you use stones when you're teaching children, um, at least I do, in terms of just learning a concept and then talking about it for a few days and holding it. And, and then it's, it goes on up to wisdom and wisdom is in the North and the North is the beginning, you know, and that's where the children begin. So that's where they are. That's where they're the source when they come into this world. And then they, you know, filter around the medicine wheel, but it's to really, Think about those sorts of things. I know that was just a really quick like recap, but bring a ceremony or ritual or something really, you know, not time, really time consuming into a child's life, spend time with them and talk about all those different things on a regular basis. How beautiful is that for you as a person doing it? for yourself and for them and for them to have, I mean, that's what I call love. Yeah. You know, sharing that sort of it, thing. Yeah. And it's, it's, um, you know, you, you were talking earlier about your friend with, uh, going in to tell everything they did yeah. wrong and, and that type of religion. That is more the way that I was raised. And I oh, was, wasn't? so yeah. as you were talking about, you know, talking to a child about what's sacred and what's divine, to tell the child themselves that you are sacred, you're divine, and you exactly. come from wisdom, um, you know, and and not to bash on any particular religion, but you know, there are religions that tell us that we are evil, that we that we are right. that we are bad, and 
There was an example, uh, and I've told this before, but people who haven't heard, my daughter was in Sunday school at the church we were going to, and they had her do a little exercise, and that white on one side of the paper and that black on the other side of the paper. And they said the white represents God because God is good and pure and everything, and the black represents you because you're you're a sinner. And that is kind of the that's the message that some children, not all, get in our society. You know, and not too long after that, we took our daughter out of that church. Right. But um, you know, the the thing is that this thing you're talking about, it, it is beautiful, and that's what the indigenous people around the world have known for years, and. As we in the West are kind of rediscovering and going, wow, isn't this really cool? It's like, yeah, we're just kind of coming back around to where we were supposed to be in the first place. So true. Learning so much from them and so much wisdom there. Yeah, so important. There is. And, you know, it's it's really interesting. I, last night I was speaking with the with a young woman who's gone through a tough time. Her mother passed away. And she was like, and we were talking about the like two sides of the same corn because she was raised as a strict atheist. So there is nothing after this. This is all there is, blah, blah, blah. And then when her mother passed, it's like, okay, there's got to be something more. And her eyes are being opened up. But then, then on, so on the other one hand, religion's telling us not to trust ourselves. But on the other hand, our materialist society is telling us don't trust ourselves exactly. either. Exactly. There's nothing else out there. It's all wishful thinking. Just, just listen to us. Accept the reality that you're an accident that you're only going to be here for a short time. You turn on like a light bulb and you turn off like a light bulb. And I just, as I was speaking with this person, I was like, I just see the, the damage being done from both sides. And, but it was so beautiful watching her eyes start to open up. And as she's discovering things and researching and listening to NDE stories and, and like, she was just lighting up as we were talking uh, uh, to have NDE someone. NDE stories. Yeah. They are just you listen to so many of them and they're, they're just irrefutable. And I love listening to the researchers who have interviewed hundreds, if not thousands of these people. And I don't know about you, but most of them have ended up very teary mm-hmm. reliving some of those, even though they themselves have not had a near death experience. They're just, and, and the, and the near-death experiences of children and the pictures that they draw and what they talk about. Oh, wow. I just, I just love this. Well, and, you oh, I know what I wanted to um, um, say something quickly. Sure. So I, I've asked a few people this on my podcast, but I've said, so this news is so exciting. <laughs> this is so one of the guys who started, I'm sure he's <laughs> not watching my interview, but he he really thought that this knowing that we have now, he thought it was going to become bigger than any religion that's ever been. Once again, not saying any names, but um, so I was saying, you know, why why isn't everybody so excited about this? And one of the answers was, I think people have just lost hope. You know, they're just so tired of being hopeful and then it not being true in our leaders, in our whatever it may be, you know. And it just broke my heart that many just aren't hopeful. They just don't want to be hurt again. Now, on the other hand, I think that who was it? Someone's either spiritually lazy or academically ignorant. I think that was Mary Neal who said that. 
you know. <laughs> now, and ignorant is not a bad word. It's just no, not doing not doing the research and not being interested. Yeah. Well, the thing is, you know, I th- I think about this too. Human nature is because we're bi- we're biological animals, right? We're we we are mm-hmm. we are evolved to a certain thing. Human nature is just like in the animal kingdom, we do what works until it doesn't work anymore. And that's that's actually efficient, right? Why would we change doing something that because it requires effort to change? So why would we change doing something until it doesn't work anymore? So that's why I think and I, as well, as I talk to people, there's usually some catalyst that comes along in your life that kind of snaps you out of this. Until then, you're you're Neo in the Matrix. You're you're going along, you're living yes. your life day to day, you're doing the drudgery, but and you don't question it because you don't think there's anything better out there. And you don't question it until something comes along and says, "Okay, there must be something better." And 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 I blame I blame our society for a lot of it. As you said, there there is that disappointment in the leaders. There's disappointment in religion. People grow right. up in in a church, and they're told these things, and they're told to believe these things literally. And they get to be adults, and they're so they're told Santa Claus isn't real. And they say, "Well, if Santa Claus is not real, then this not be, must not be real either." So I'm just done with the whole thing. Exactly. And so, you know, as I said, I, I've talked to people who are hardcore atheists who are, they call themselves atheists. I would call them materialists where it's yes. like, there's nothing other than what I can see in front of my eyes. And then like, as you were saying earlier, when, once we get caught onto this, they come and they come, they're, they're so excited. They're like, there's so much out there. This is going to change the world. And I'm like, I wish, and I hope, and that's my mission. And that's why I do what I do. But this has been out there for a lot, you know, for us, we're just happened to come across it now. And, um, through the power of the internet, you know, which allows us to share these stories and be in community and people like you and I can talk to people who are like us because otherwise we wouldn't, we, we feel isolated. Um, so now we feel more emboldened to go out and tell people our experiences. You know, if I, if you've had a near death experience or you've had a sign like I've had, you know, like the ones that you've had that have been pretty much miraculous yeah. and, and undeniable. So I, I, some people say we're turning the corner. I hope it's true. I, I really do. And I'm doing everything I can to make sure that we do. Yeah. You're doing such an amazing job. I just love listening to your, all your different in- interviews. You know, I really think that there is a transformation happening. I think that things have gotten so, um, it's just something's got to change. And you are right. It's kind of like this is sort of new to me. Well, it's very new to me, to be quite honest. I mean, almost five years. And it's been around for a long time. But I've just interviewed some people who've, as you have, who've been down this road for a long, 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 long time. And they really think it's different now. And I tell you why I think it's different. Because science is believing it i mean not in the materialists of course but so many that's why i love listening to these doctors and phds and these hardcore materialists who've had these experiences and it has transformed their lives Mm -hmm. and now with all of the brain scans and all of the oh my gosh all the different things that they're doing um i do think that it's it's changing I, and I hope, and it will never be, we will always have duality. We're always going to have that. That's why we're here to learn those lessons. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm like you, I have, I have hope and 
I just, I just want to plant a seed, you know, be a little bit of a messenger and, and help all those millennials really get it out there. <laughs> yeah, abso- absolutely. And, and, you know, I, I try to be realistic and skeptical and, but remain optimistic at the same time. So when I hear about the shift and, and then some people say, Oh, it's going to happen overnight. You know, we're going to, we're going to, mo- we're going to move into the fifth dimension. It's going to happen on December 21st. And um I heard about the rapture when I was growing up too. And, you know, so I'm I'm not, I'm not, I don't think there's going to be a rapid shift like that. But on the other hand, I look at evolution, you know, and so evolution, we think it's what's this natural, slow, steady state from this state to this state, but that's not how evolution works. It's actually what they call punctuated equilibrium. So things go along the same for a while and then something happens and there's a major shift. Right. And I think I so where I'm agreeing with what you're saying is, when things get so bad that we that this way is not working anymore, that's when we change. So when we look around the world and we look at what's going on with politics and we look at what's going on with the economy and we look at what's going on right now with healthcare, with, with COVID and stuff. Climate. And climate, you know. So that's when people shift. It's like when we when we feel like we have to, when this way isn't working anymore. And, and you know, the, the saying, it's always darkest before the dawn is absolutely true. We we. Yeah. That's how humans are built. And I've heard people say, why did I have to go through this painful thing to make the shift? Why did my child have to transition? Why did my mother have to transition? Why did I have to, you know, be in an accident or get cancer? And I'm like, that's, that's human nature. That's not, that's not a bad thing. That's how we are. That's how we're built. Um, and then we need these things to kind of, to wake us up. I believe, or I have been knowing that, that we do plan this life before we come here and we plan the lessons that we want, want to learn. And as, as difficult as that is for people to accept, it's really, in my opinion, there can't be the whole universe is so symmetrical in terms of, I'm not talking about humans, but in terms of nature and just all of it. So there's an order there's an order. How can the human life be random? Right. It can't. There, there's no room for ran. And if it is random, what's the point? <laughs> what's, what's the what's the point? You know, there are a couple of really good interviews out about that. But mm-hmm. that we do plan our lessons, and that we do have a time when we there are. Two things that are set for sure is when we come into this earth and when we leave this earth. And there may be a few different exit points or scenarios for when we do leave this earth. But I, I believe that with all my heart. And I just don't believe that there's randomness. And as many as have said after they had a profound near-death experience that as hard as this is, is to hear, but beauty comes from everything. Yeah. Well, you know, the and, interesting thing about the universe being random, you know, if you look at, look at nature, look at the diversity of nature, you look at the human body, which I'm just fascinated that we function at all because the body is so complex. <laughs> so on the one hand, it appears to be random, but on the other hand, there are these self-organizing principles right. that allow this life to come together. And I, there was a guy I read many years ago, 
because I said I was a, I was a fundamentalist Christian at one time, so I started reading books by Christians to try to get myself out of that. And the guy's name was I think it's Hugo Ross, and he was a mm. cosmetologist. What do you call the guys that do? Um, cosmolo- cosmologist. Cosmologist, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he was writing about the chances of life existing on Earth, and how fine or in the universe at all, and how fine tuned it had to be. And if this one constant was off by this amount, that life wouldn't exist. And you add up all these constants together that are precisely tuned. And there's a theory that says that, you know, the universe was tuned for life. You know, it's like, and there's an old thing. The that, you know, how, can there be a, how can there be a watch if there wasn't a watchmaker? If you're walking along the beach and you find a watch, you assume someone made that watch. You don't assume that random forces brought it together. So there is something fascinating about the way the universe does self-organize. Mm-hmm. And then when we start getting into quantum physics and quantum mechanics, you know, that blew scientists' mind because they're like, well, we don't know what consciousness is. There's probably no such thing. It's probably just an illusion. And then they said, well, wait a minute. If we use this experiment, if we observe it, it acts this way. If we don't observe it, it acts that way. So not only does it prove there's consciousness, but consciousness has an impact on the material. And then no one understands how, how that works. So right. I think an, I think another really important area of study is psychedelics. Mm-hmm. I've been I've been researching a lot about psychedelics because I think they're going to change the world. And I don't know if I think it's cool that I talk about this, but there's a documentary called Fabulous Fungi. And it's I mean, it's just plants. It's mm-hmm. well, just plants. But the research that's going on at Johns Hopkins and University of Penn, I'm not talking about psychedelics that you people used to. I never did that, but I did other things <laughs> that, yeah. you know, this is not a rock and roll thing, but the way helping veterans with PTSD, the anxiety, the stress, the pharmaceuticals, the drugs, the something that can help a person really transform in, in any way, the research is just, that's coming out right now is just so promising. And um, I think there's a reason, you know, once again, I just trust that there's a reason all these indie stories are just other than just the internet and all these, I hate to say credible people, because I think everyone who has not everyone is, is credible in their own right. But, mm-hmm. but, you know, the physicians, this and that, and all of this research on not only psychedelics, but on meditative practice on holotropic breathing on how we can get back to that source. I guess that's my point mm-hmm. back to that inner child, back to that spiritual, that invisible, that our materialistic, um, you know, minds just can't go to, but it, there seems to be this universal force that's bringing all of these things in. That's just kind of nudging us, you know, mm-hmm. nudging us along. So I have a lot of, um, and the meditate, you know, everyone meditating so much now and all of that. So I have a lot of hope there too. Yeah, I, I, I do. And I, and it's, it's interesting to see for me as, as a scientist, chemical engineer is my background. Right. Uh, and so I was, I was the one to know like, what's the answer? How does this work? Right. So that I was, when mm-hmm. I was a child, I used to take things apart. Um, and it's great because I did, I have studied religion. I've studied philosophy and now science, they're kind of coming to some of the same com- conclusions. Um, for, and it's like, you're coming from two different directions to the same conclusion. 
Uh, and I hopefully, and I, I'm starting to see this a little bit, where they're not fighting each other, where they say religion is a separate field of study from, or consciousness, I would like to say, or spirituality if I, is a separate field of study from the physical. Um, these are two branches of the same thing. These are two sides of the same coin. And a thing I, I say to people, I, I, I hate the word supernatural. Yeah. I don't believe in the supernatural. I believe everything is natural. There are some things that we don't understand and we call it supernatural. So, you know, radio waves a few years ago would have been supernatural. Um, Bluetooth technology on my phone would have been considered supernatural. Someone said you could have a wireless network between your phone and your and your headphones. You would say that's crazy. There's no such thing. Um, the first guy discovered germs. You know, he said, let's wash our hands before we do surgery. I, I think he ended up in a mental institution because they're like, this is not possible. There are no little invisible things called germs, guy. So as spiritual people right now, they're looking at us saying, because science says, well, we don't know how that works. We don't know what consciousness is. We don't know where it is. We can't cut you open and find it in the body. Um, so th therefore, it must not exist. Or if it is there, then it must be a, a risen out of the body. So when the body dies, it stops. It's stopped. So that's their mindset. So they, they say, you're crazy if you believe anything else, but all this evidence is coming out now proving they're wrong. Right. Because isn't it interesting that I remember a very well-known scientist that is not a materialist anymore. He said, but not understanding something, that is why we have science. Right. <laughs> That's, you know, to take the things that we don't understand and figure it out and do all this research and do all of this and but that's um, that's not what that's not what is happening in the materialist world. But I think you know what I I don't. Uh, someone said that there was a study done in fifty percent plus of physicians now really do believe that there is a continuity of consciousness. That well, maybe not continuity, but it is separate from the brain. So and it was a reputable source. So it's. Um, even though numbers, I'm always a little bit <laughs> yeah. hesitant about, but so yeah, we'll think, see. Yeah, I think they're getting there. And as, and as more get there, it gives permission, people, other people permission to get there. And and right. you know, there is some study, some scientific study now of consciousness. And to be fair to the scientists, you know, it's easier to study how electrons work than how consciousness works because you can't set up an experiment in a lab. And that's one thing about consciousness, especially like with near-death experiences, for example, you can't experiment with that you know you can right. study the data but you can't bring somebody in and kill them and see what happens to them so we're finding now our, as our instruments get better and as we our experiments get better and everybody refers to the double slit experiment but now that we have that technology and we can do that because there was a debate for many many years is light a particle or is light a wave and because obviously it can't be both but it actually is mm -hmm. and it changes depending on on how you look at it um, and that's a very, it's a mind blowing thing, but that's been proven time and time again through, you know, various experiments and also showing that um, consciousness can work backwards in time, which really freaks people out. Right. Right. So, I find it interesting too. Is it William, William Schaffner that just, who just went to the moon? Yeah. William or, Schaffner just what, went up in space. Yeah. 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 And um, listening to him and I can't remember which astronaut you probably know that 
went into space and then came back and started the Institute of Noetic Sciences. Yes. Um, that, but that they, they do these things, which are also going to be becoming much more prominent before we know it. And they just cry when they talk about it because they just know that there's so much more, so much, you know, and that's pretty exciting too. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Mario, we're um, we're getting to the end of our time. I get, I can talk to you all day. So I'm just looking at the clock, it's like we should probably wrap up. Yeah. Um, I I really appreciate having you here. Really enjoy the conversation. Tell people where they can reach you and how they can find out more about you. Yes. Um, well, you go to my um, website, interviewswithinnocence.com, and you can email me um, through the website or at MarlaHughes116 at gmail.com. And yeah, my book is called Love Magic and it's on Amazon. And you probably need to put by Marla Hughes because it just went out. It's H-U-G-H-E-S. And mm-hmm. it's pretty easy. It's pretty easy to find. So yeah, the book looks beautiful. I think it'd be a great gift to give to someone with children and to to start to introduce introduce these concepts that they already know, but yeah. to keep them from losing these concepts as they get older to say, hey, it's okay to think this way. I love it. Right. Well, thank you. I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah, Marla, it's been great having you here. Thank you so much, Brian. It's been an honor and, and happy late Thanksgiving. <laughs> Sounds like you had a good one. Enjoy <laughs> the rest you. of your day. Okay, you too. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Grief to Growth. Brian hopes that you find this episode helpful and will come back for future episodes. Brian's best-selling book, Grief to Growth, Planted Not Buried, is a great resource for anyone who is coping with grief or knows someone who is. If you enjoy the podcast and would like to support it, there are three things you can do to help. The first is to share the podcast with someone that you think it will help. The second is to go to iTunes, rate, and review the episode. The third way you can support the podcast is by becoming a patron. Head over to www.patreon.com slash grief to growth. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash grief, the number two, growth, and sign up to make a small monthly donation. Patrons get access to exclusive bonus content and knowledge that you are helping to spread the message of grief to growth. For more about Brian and Grief to Growth, visit www.grief2growth.com. Hey there, if you like this episode, come on over and talk about it. Let me know what you liked. If you didn't like this episode, come on over and talk about it. Let me know what you didn't like. Go to grieftogrowth.com slash community and look for talk about the podcast. I'll see you there.